the real estate residency, you literally get to learn before you do. When you do that, don't be a permanent standby partner. You've got to take action. At some point, you've got to move. You've got to implement that knowledge in order to create the wisdom. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show. We're here today with Brett Riggins. Before we get started, I'd just like to thank our sponsor, Fortress Capital. Fortress Capital is a private equity company that I founded to help physicians invest in real estate and build financial freedom. So Brett, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Excited to be here. All right. Why don't you give us a little background on yourself? Wow, where to start? Well, if anybody has heard me before, I would just want to start by saying I've got a little bit of a very white voice working today. So the good part of the virtual world is we can't get each other sick, right? You can't catch <laughs> the cold from here. It but sounds no, good, I, though. Yeah. All the way back, really, I found my passion in building in residential homes. And I set my journey towards architectural engineering. I loved art. Uh, I loved to draw. And those books that they handed me back in middle school, that's the one that had the highest income. And I think that's how my mind worked then. But I didn't see that. That was also one that had a high unemployment rate too. So they didn't give me that book at the time. But anyway, I went through that journey. I graduated college. And along that path too, Mike, for the listeners can't see, I don't know if you're doing the video here, but I've got a guitar hanging behind me. So that took some time along my journey as well too, but eventually finishing college and getting into real estate investing. And my niche along with my wife, um, the two of us started fixing and flipping. We were doing about six flips at a time, got into wholesaling. Now we are national virtual real estate acquisition company. And our lane is definitely single family, buy and hold. We've got a couple mixed use commercial properties. I also do short terms out of those. That's fun as well too. So just, you know, running the gambit, staying in my lane though is definitely single family right now. So I see you went to school at Western Michigan University. Where in Michigan is that? That is the Southwest corner. And the blessing of living in Michigan is we all were blessed with a map we carry on our hands. So anybody from Michigan says, where are you from? You just raise your hand up. I can point right there. So Kalamazoo is here, just south of Grand Rapids. And I grew up on Lake Michigan, just south of there. Oh, that's awesome. You know, it's funny, the connections you see that my first commercial property I bought is in Marquette, Michigan. So mm -hmm up in the UP, a little bit away from where you're at. And your guitar, my daughter is a guitarist. We just took her off to school to start college at the University of Utah last week. How do week. you feel about that? You know, she is so ready. Yeah. She was so ready to launch off on her own. There was still, you know, the fear and anxiety, but she's doing great. She just needed to launch her life yeah. and get her stuff going without her parents getting in the way. The first leap. So. Well, congratulations <laughs> on that, Mike. Oh, well, thank you. All right. So you started in construction and you kind of built this platform of single family homes. Explain that a little bit more, how you structured that. Is it anything different than you just got a pile of houses across the country or sounds overwhelming to me? Yeah. So great question, Mike. When we first started, 
a lot of people probably will start the same way where you start in your own backyard. And I quickly feel like I outgrew my backyard. But a lot of my rentals, my cutting my teeth, you can say, were in my backyard at the time in Southwest Michigan. So at that time, while we were fixing and flipping, I have the resources, I have the time to manage these properties myself. And that is definitely a headache. But it was really important. I was having a conversation the other day and I heard somebody call their first real estate investment tuition and that you learn so much from it. Well, that was really important. The same path that I took in construction or as an engineer or a designer is I wanted to know that what I was designing was feasible, that it worked, that I didn't just draw something pretty on paper and then expected the crew to build it. The same way with real estate investing, especially asset management, it was important for me to learn hands-on from the beginning. In construction, I've done everything from the plumbing under the concrete to the shingles on top of the house. And now in real estate, the same way, I've done everything from the bottom, chasing after money, going to court, fixing toilets, the infamous toilet that needs fixed. So we've done all of that. But Mike, we've learned so much along the way. I think it's really important. Now it's a little different. Now we're investing in what we call economies by scale. I'm doing it virtually. A majority of the properties that we buy, I never personally set foot in. So it's the team that set up the power team to just take advantage of what we got going on. And now we're in markets where our dollar performs the best. Okay. So now that you got this team and you're providing some investment opportunities, how does that work if somebody wants to get in touch with you? Yeah. Well, let me make that answer really easy. It depends, okay. Mike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it depends. How can I bring you value? I definitely need to know more about you in order for me to help you the most I can. So two sides of the spectrum here, total top of the line. We work with high income earners, specifically physicians who are looking to build their real estate portfolio. Our company is called Physician Well Systems. And our product is basically a turnkey business, a turnkey real estate investment business. It's not just a turnkey investment. I don't want to set up or create another job for somebody. So it's the entire business setting up integrations, automations, even training the VA to take care of the asset management stuff that we're doing. And I always say, when you leave us, if you ever leave us, I want long-term solutions with long-term people. But if that happens, you won't need us. So that's turnkey business, 100%. We do 12 properties. We find them, we renovate them, we get them marketed, get the tenant in there, help the client's business, LLC, refinance them, and then we we'll repeat. So we exercise that burst strategy while we build the real estate investment business. All the way back down to the other side, Mike, is what we call real estate residency. The byproduct of doing that, reviewing deal after deal after deal, creating these systems, analyzing markets, is this foundation of knowledge. And that bottom side, it can be for, hey, I'm just looking to get started, or I've been doing this for a while. I just need to know how to find rent faster. I need to know how to value my property. How can I analyze this stuff? Who do I need to talk to? That's all in the real estate residency. I'm literally giving this knowledge away at that point. So if somebody were just getting started, is it advantageous to do the residency first or just jump right in? 
residency, I think. <laughs> I am a child of imperfect action. So <laughs> I've learned um, bumps on my head, bruises, and all the ER physicians out there could appreciate clients like me. My mom always joked like I had my own bed in the emergency room. It's the same way struggling through learning for me because I'm taking action, taking action. But the real estate residency, you literally get to learn before you do. And I would just encourage everybody out there that when you do that, when you learn before you do, don't be a permanent standby partner. You've got to take action. At some point, you've got to move. You've got to implement that knowledge in order to create the wisdom. Okay. Because that can be, you know, the analysis paralysis. 100%. You get started learning and learning and oh, I'm not yeah. ready. So with the residency, does it kind of walk you to where like, little baby, you know, you help your kids start walking and then there's a point you kind of let them go whether they want to let go or not. Well, it's compressed, man. So if you think about it in physician well systems, if we're going to do 12 properties in 12 months, we're moving, right? So at the point when that opportunity has been greenlit by my team, it's presented to me, it's greenlit by me, meaning I will buy that investment and I present it to you. I need you to know what to look for. I need you to know the investment objectives that we've agreed to. I need you to know the risks and I want you to be comfortable asking me the questions. So in order for us to do this and get the job done, the real estate residency, the byproduct of that is the things that you need to know to get it done. So this is compressed, Mike. Literally, you should be able to roll through this stuff and start implementing 30 days. Oh, wow. And so this is focused on then getting you set to take a portfolio of single family. I would say singles. Okay. First. So, so singles you're, you're, first. You do the residency, you buy your first one, and then like you said 12 and 12 months. So it's kind of a walk through the process. You get one, get that going, get two. Yep. So this is separate. So the 12 and 12 of physician well systems, when we're working together, that's happening. So on the other side of the spectrum is the residency. This may be for a different point in somebody's investing career, maybe a different amount of deployable capital. You can imagine that doing 12 properties in 12 months is going to be a substantial amount of capital required to implement the Burr strategy. So what we've done is separated that. And that's why when you first asked me that question, I said, it depends, right? It depends <laughs> on who we're talking to. Real estate residency is going to be that foundational knowledge for you to implement and take action. And what I love about single family is it the barrier, the entry point, the smaller barrier. Mistakes are smaller, more opportunities, more people to work with. So I do like a single family in that way. If you're talking about portfolios, that's a little different conversation. Each piece is the same thing, but the money is elevated. The team needs to be elevated. The risk is elevated, but also the returns are elevated too. So if somebody said, so Doc says, all right, I want to get into this thing. They could do the residency. Now you come from, I don't know a thing, but this mm -hmm. sounds cool. I heard the podcast. And so they could do the residency and now you got a foundational knowledge. Even if you were jumping in and doing the 12 and 12 months, though, it's one at a time. So you kind of do one. Now, would you say if somebody was brand new, they could handle that or is there a slower route maybe they should take? Yeah. So the 12 and 12 product with Physician Well Systems, you're getting plugged into our power team. So you could know absolutely nothing about real estate. What I want to do is make sure that I empower you with the knowledge to ask the right questions to make a 
informed decision moving forward. But with us on your side, it's going to happen. Like there's no doubt about it, 12 properties, 12 months. So that can go from an absolute, I don't own any real estate other than my house, right? And we worked with clients like that before. So that could go. But by yourself, yes, that's going to be slower. Mike, you know, it's going to depend on the time that you have to devote to each step, to learning, to acquiring, to building your team. So there's lots of pieces that will defer depending on how much time you can put into it, let alone the money, but how much time you can put into it to make this happen. So if you do the physician wealth system, you're tapping into the team you've already got built. Absolutely. How much time does that take? How much time should somebody be ready to commit to it? So I've got a cool slide deck that we've put together that rolls us out. The more that we do, the less that you do. So what I want to take you to the stabilized product. I tell everybody there's no such thing as passive income. Mike, we even, I think we may have even talked about this. There's no such thing as passive income, especially in real estate, right? Yeah. What I want to do with this turnkey business is create the closest thing to passive that we can, because we're now a business owner more than a real estate investor, right? So in that regard, I would love to see our clients leave us or continue to work with us, but in a stabilized portfolio around one hour a month invested in this thing. But launching this is going to be a little more time involved, right? There's certain things that even though we're 100% done for you, there's things that we can't do for you. I can't do the financial pieces for you. I can't have those conversations with the lenders. If we're doing any type of tax analyzing, um, wealth analyzing, there's certain things that I can't do with you with our team. So the first month we're looking at because of loan applications and stuff like that, around eight and a half hours that first month. Month two will come down to around four hours. Month three, again, around three hours, four hours. And then from there, four, five, six, seven, it dies down to about one to two hours a month. Okay. It's always one of those, when you look at the time, my mind always goes back to the thing I wish I had known. And if you're a high earner with a spouse or a partner that's on your tax return, the whole real estate professional status that can take take some of that W-2 income and take it out with depreciation on your other stuff. And here's the disclaimer, not a tax professional, but any doc who's out there who's getting into this, if your spouse or partner doesn't work or is looking for something to do to participate this is one of the greatest things ever to work on um, putting your money in a more tax advantage status. Yeah, And it's one to ask about. And if your accountant doesn't jump up and down with excitement when you talk to them about this, talk to somebody else. Yeah. Because they should. And it's an amazing thing. But if you don't have somebody else, because that requires about 15 hours a week of committed work. So if I'm going to put some time in, but I want it to decrease, your system is set up so that over time, it's really an hour to a month. Yeah. And that's the thing, being so niched, so custom, we look at diversifying the portfolios too with short terms. And Mike, just the same as you are not a certified public accountant or a tax attorney, nor am I. I know that the things that we do help us in a certain way. And I love suggesting and also sharing 
other people who do this as well too, utilizing short term to then decrease the number of hours required to hit that REP status. So in the short term, I believe it's seven nights on average or less, you can reduce that time requirement to 100 hours from 750 hours. And then there's some other stipulations on the material involvement and how much other time somebody else is putting in. So there's a couple other caveats to that, but there are massive ways to do that. When I started saying that this is extremely niche, I wanna diversify the portfolio It depends. I love answering that question because I want to learn more about you. And Mike, if your wife is the one or your partner is the one that's going to qualify for the IRP, I'm going to make sure I'm going to involve you as much as possible in this process to allow you to track those hours. And when you say that 750 hours is per year, but when you go to short terms, it can be just 100 hours. Yes. And so that's a little easier to get to. Yeah. Except for if you're thinking about it of like, where in the world am I going to get another two hours a week? I mean, sure, there's so many high performance people listening to your podcast right now is like totally just to the wall booked. I know we've had this conversation in the past, your performance in your group, like going after it, getting it and performing, like, where am I going to get another two hours? But it's attainable, you know? It is attainable. And what I've seen sometimes is when you have the stay-at-home mom. And it's funny because last weekend we went to see some family and I hung out with a couple stay-at-home dads. But as the kids get older, you know, it's when they're young, it's this full thing. And then they go to school and mom might have a little more time. And for any moms, I'm not going to say you have a bunch. But if that all of a sudden is just a couple hours or an hour here, and something that I found is the spouses of doctors tend to be pretty high performance people too. Mm -hmm. Or they they, tend to be doctors themselves. Or they were doctors themselves. (laughs) And some maybe are, either way, some maybe aren't practicing, but if they're not working in a job, because being a parent at home is a job, they tend to be people who are pretty high performing. And a lot of them have this feeling then where it's, I'm not contributing, or I went to college. My wife dealt with this, although she knew what she was doing was important and knew that it was appreciated by me and the kids. She never saw herself as a full-time mom and was always kind of looking for what is something I can do to contribute that made her feel like she was contributing more so, even though there wasn't any ask for her to do that. So I think it might be a cool way if there was a spouse that was wanting to feel like they were contributing Mm -hmm. more just because that's who they are without having to go get a job and punch the clock to be able to do some stuff. So that was the thought that came to me while you were talking about it. I love it. Because anything that we can do to use those passive losses to offset your active income, and then talking a little bit about accelerating the depreciation while it still lasts, because we got into a conversation about this a couple of days ago, and that's all dependent on the current tax code, right? The current tax law in which it's set to decrease when we run cost segregation on properties. So just kind of throwing that out there too. Yeah. And for anybody who's just starting to listen, cost segregation, accelerated depreciation is a thing where you can go through your property and the building depreciates at a much longer term, but you can go through and depreciate things within the building faster, which means it brings the tax advantages forward faster. So that's a discussion for another show to dive into. We can get a cost segregation specialist on 
All right. So the short-term rentals, so we talked about you got this pathway for buying homes. Now, does the short-term rentals kind of fall in that same pathway or is that something that's different? I would say it's the same thing. I see it as kind of diversifying the portfolio a little bit, running one in short term, offsetting some of the other assets inside of there. So, and just depending on the client too, even looking at section eight properties inside, and even if the client has the capacity to holding those section eights in cash, as opposed to leveraging debt on them, increasing the cash flow and decreasing the DTI, if that's something that your lenders are looking at. Okay. So how much more work um, and see, now I'm asking for me because my wife is just talking and saying, hey, I think I might like to do this Airbnb thing. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't want to do that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so how much work is it to do an Airbnb? It depends. So somebody don't, just you did my, one. don't you love my answers, Mike? It yeah, depends. yeah. Well, for <laughs> somebody me, who doesn't know at all. Tell me a little bit more about who's doing this and how much are you doing, right? Because that drives it massively. So if somebody will so say, I'm a rookie, I haven't done short-term rentals before, and I say, maybe I want to get into this. It looks like a cool thing, and I've heard I can get these tax advantages and make some money off of this property. If somebody said, I've got minimal time, I want to try and do it with the least time commitment, mm -hmm. how would they go about that? What would be the Building approach? a team. You got to build a team. You've heard it before. I know a lot of your listeners have probably heard this. We are in the relationship business. And we've got to have that team in place, especially to remove yourself from any of these processes. You've got to have a dependable team in place. That team is going to be just a little bit different than the long-term team that you would build because the short-term team, the holding, the management, the flip itself, the quality, the area, those things are going to be a little bit different than typically on a long-term hold would be. So building your team is definitely the first place to be. There's rent arbitrage too, Mike. If you just want to test the waters a little bit and see how it is without jumping all in, you could even lease a place given that the inside of lease agreement allows you to sublet it, right? And the actual owner or property owner is okay with it. You can lease it and Airbnb it. So you don't even have to buy the property. You could lease it and then furnish it and Airbnb it. So you could test that for six months, 12 months. There are certain things that you can't gain in that by not controlling the asset, but there's still things to learn. So it, that may be a good starting point. I guess that's a great test drive, especially if you do a six-month lease, give it a whirl. And if it works, you can decide then if you want to buy something or maybe you just keep that model going. Yep. Who are the key people in that team? So, all right, I'm building a team. If you could give me, you know, person one, two, how many people do I need if I wanted to do that? I'm going to go lease one place and I'm going to rent it out. The first thing that you need to know is the market. So you need to build your relationships with people that are already doing it. And then the resources inside of those groups too. So somebody who has an Airbnb, that's a great person to talk to in that market. And not just a part-time thing, not somebody that lives there. And then when they move, go here for the summer or somebody else takes care of it. Somebody that's an investor doing this. You build that relationship. Oh. And then you're going to start learning who you need to talk to. Because there's a couple of things we didn't know the right area. We need to know what type of reno or what type of furnishings that we need to do. We need to know what kind of income that property is going to produce. And 
basically the person that's going to manage it. Those are huge pieces to this. And if we're talking to somebody who's just getting started, those are the big pieces that you need to be able to figure out. So a couple suggestions in there, Mike, is start networking with people who are already doing this. And those people could be other investors. They could be the property managers themselves. You could even go on Airbnb and find the super hosts and connect with them. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of programs that will do that kind of stuff. And yeah. find the property managers. That's going to be a major asset for you. Okay. Because that was where my wife was talking, was looking at certain markets where we had been mm-hmm. and was like, oh, this is a great place. Kind of know the area was more where she wanted to start, but it was then the management part. And so if you contact a super host, that's kind of what they do, isn't it? That they manage these. A super host is going to be someone who manages. You could have one unit and be a super host. So there's just certain qualifications through Airbnb in regards to reviews, I believe in time that allows you to be a super host. But the reality of it is that person should know the areas as well too. There's also a resource Mike called AirDNA. It's a website that allows you to get actual numbers for short-term rentals. So we'll use AirDNA to generate our daily average income our occupancy rates, stuff like that. That's how we're judging the income that a property is going to produce. So AirDNA is a great site. But again, I'm going to lean on good property managers. They should know the areas better than you. Even if you visited there five, 10 times, they should know the areas because they should know the business. I'm going to check that. So it's airdna.com? Yes, sir. Okay. So your program, though, you have a program like the single family home that helps somebody learn to do uh, short-term rentals also. So inside of real estate residency, I have a short module where I explain the calculator that I have in order to determine if this is a good investment for us or not. So there are other people out there who are definitely niched in the short-term piece where we're diversifying in it. That's not our lane. So I have a general idea of I've got five Airbnbs myself. So that's a good question. You say, how many are you doing, right? How many are you doing? So that is a good gauge when you are setting out to work with somebody. How many do you own? How many do you manage? Those kinds of things. Okay. Now this is great stuff because this isn't a thing we've delved into on the show yet. And I want to dig into it some more. So what we're going to do here is We're going to have Brett back and we're going to do the second half of the show and we're going to dive into this a little bit more with some more questions. So, Brett, thank you so much. And we'll regroup here shortly. Sounds great. Thanks, Mike. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you got value from this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional and you can help them by sharing this content today. I'd also love to serve you better. So I wanted to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you take a moment and leave an honest written review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help you. Schedule a call and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.